This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So Pastor Tom began speaking about sanctification last week, how we must uh, be sanctified, how we must live lives that are holy, that they must be, we must be holy as the scripture says, be ye holy as I am holy. We're going to continue on a similar vein this morning and we'll be talking about purity, purity, <laughs> purity. I'll explain what, what we're talking about in a few minutes, but turn in your real Bibles, in your Bibles to First. Samuel, the 15th chapter. 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. First Samuel, the, the, the 15th chapter. The Bible says from verse 1, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how we ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. But kill both men, woman, infant, and nursing children, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telahim. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Based on First Samuel chapter number 15, I'm bringing a message that I couldn't decide between two titles. So the title is Purity of Intent, and the subtitle is Of Promises and Bleating Sheep. Intention is simply defined as a thing planned or intended to do. That's intention. And purity is defined as freedom from adulteration or contamination. So when we bring the two together and speak about the purity of intention, we are speaking about what is really the motive or what is driving our intentions. Is it, being, is it free from adulteration or contamination? There's an old English, English. <laughs> wow, it came on a ship, guys. <laughs> the language came on a ship. <laughs> There's an old English proverb that I heard Pastor Tom quote that stuck with me over the years. It simply says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but heaven is filled with good works. This could on the surface appear as saying that it is not enough to just have good intentions, but you must do good works. On the surface it does, but I've been thinking, the more I think about it, the more I realize that you can have good intentions that lead 
to evil works. See, I know this sounds a, a bit oxymoronical, but stay with me and I'm sure it will be a little bit clearer just now. In the scripture I read, Saul was given a very clear instruction, very clear, to say, go and completely destroy the Amalekites. While he is fighting, while in the midst of the battle, he gets a good idea, which creates a good intention. His plan is to say, let's destroy the people and everything that is not good, that we cannot give as a sacrifice, but let's keep the good stuff. See, he led the people, and the Bible says that they were unwilling to destroy what they termed to be good. But they destroyed everything that they despised. See, according to what they saw, the best of the sheep was good and worth keeping. However, God despised what appeared good because he had a promise to fulfill. Good intention, but the manifestation of that is evil works. Reading on in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 10 to 23, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told to Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he has set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgag. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. Saul said to Samuel, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. <laughs> but Samuel said, What then is the bleating of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. <laughs> and re the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, Shh, shut up. And I will tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on, sir. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. When they did not obey the voice of the Lord, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down to the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back King Agar, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the, offer of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, As the Lord as, gr has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Amen. <laughs> What a scripture. <laughs> the word 
of the Lord came to Samuel, and the words that he spoke to Saul cut me deep. The all-knowing God, the all-powerful God, gets to a place of saying, I greatly regret that I have set Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not followed my commandments. I greatly regret. It got me thinking and wondering (laughs) and saying, I pray I never get to a place where I, the Lord would look at me and not, not, not say, well done, good and faithful servant, in whom I, but turn and say, I regret setting up Milton in this place because he has ceased following me and listening to my commands. <laughs> this came from not following what he said, but doing good, preserving the choice sheep. Surely these could work as a sacrifice. They are sheep without blemish. They tick off everything in Leviticus. Surely they are good. Imagine, what, what are some of the things that, that what we, we, we do or could do that could cause God to say, I regret it. I regret it. I regret it that I have placed him in the sphere of the marketplace because, because since he started prospering, he has started... Since I set him up in a place of influence, he no longer follows me. He is all about tapestry. He no longer follows... Before this, he wasn't like this. But now that I, the Lord, set him up, anointed him, this is how he is. Hey. You see, the Lord spoke. Samuel cries out all night for Saul. And the next morning, the Lord speaks again and he says, Saul has indeed set up a monument for himself. See, I tried to look for this monument that he put up for himself, and I couldn't find where it actually says it's a physical monument. But think about it. The Israelites have known for many years that the Amalekites are going to be utterly destroyed because after that battle when Moses' hands are being lifted up, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, write this as a monument in Exodus 17. It says, write this, especially in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly destroy the Amalekites. Completely, I will completely destroy them. So the, the Israelites knew that it's only a matter of time. Who do you think is going to destroy? Maybe there were some who were thinking, surely in the time of Joshua, Joshua the great commander is going to lead us and will destroy them, but it doesn't happen. And then it happens with Saul. So imagine the accolades that come, that the word that stood for so many years has now been brought to pass by the hand of Saul. So he keeps Agag and he does a procession A parade with Agag going into different towns saying, I captured him. Me, I did it. Going around, setting up a monument. If you remember Saul, (laughs) Saul at his own inauguration, instead of taking center stage at the giant national sports stadium where he is about to be inaugurated as king, he is hiding by the equipment. Why? Why? Because he thought that was him. 
The Bible, what we read in 1 Samuel 15 says, before, before this, before I, I anointed you, you were timid, you were nothing. Now you are big in your own eyes. Why? Because I have set you up and now I regret it. What monuments are we setting up for ourselves? Because of doing things that are, are, are look good, but are against the instruction of the Lord. See, God created, sorry, God equated creating a monument for himself with disobedience. Because he was disobedient, God didn't say he didn't listen to me, but listen to what he says. He says you, he created a monument for himself. Think about it. Imagine in those days there was no social media, right? So imagine how long it would have taken for news that Agag has been killed to, to, to spread. And the questions would have been, is it really true? Because there's no pictures. Send me a link. There are no pictures, right? And he says, no, Agag has been killed. But now there was evidence that I, Saul, have done it. I have brought him down. <laughs> what acts of disobedience, rather, have I performed that stand as a memorial for myself? What acts of disobedience have we performed, have we done, that have created monuments that speak against us? As we continue reading this story, Samuel arrives before Saul in, 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 in verse 13, and the Bible says, Saul says, blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. <laughs> the message Bible <laughs> puts it, it's interesting. It says, so, 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 as Samuel same clo came close, Saul called out, God's blessings on you. I accomplished God's plan to the letter. <laughs> Imagine Saul is now the one who's speaking prophetic language. God bless you. You know, <laughs> he's now the one who's saying, "I have performed it to the letter." Saul is feeling really good about himself, really good, very good, thinking, "Yay, this is me." Samuel then exclaims to say, "So, what is the bleating of sheep that I hear?" And the response there is quite something. Saul so said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. See, that sounds noble. Sounds good. I'm sure all the people who did not hear the instruction that came to Saul by the mouth of Samuel to say completely destroy would have clapped and said, you know what? The decision you made to keep the best is good. Because surely we need to, to, to sacrifice to the Lord. And this is the best. It looked good to the, out, to the outside world, to spectators. But that's the very thing that caused the demise of Saul. God is into sacrifices. Sacrifice is important to God. But God is more interested in our obedience than our sacrifice. See, an uncalled for sacrifice is not pleasing to God. See, God would rather you and I sacrifice our own ideas, our own will, 
our own thoughts to do what he has instructed us to do. I think that's a better sacrifice than bulls. Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19 says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven, an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Says they are hearts that devises wicked plans. When you look at that scripture, it, it, it can look like the, the, the wicked plans are things like going to steal, steal, going to kill, going to destroy. It sounds like those are some of the things, plotting things, adultery, and all these things. But disobedience. Is viewed by God as wicked. A heart that devises wicked plans. <laughs> Just imagine. You think you are doing good, but it's an evil plan because it's outside of obedience. Hey, church is quiet today. <laughs> looking back at the life of Saul this was not even the first time he did not follow instructions in 1 Samuel 13 Saul thinks that Samuel is taking too long and makes an unlawful sacrifice again and when Samuel arrives he's like what have you done see he's thinking that whatever I do as long as it's good and has good intentions surely God will honor it but God esteems obedience over sacrifice See, a sacrifice, like I said, done without it being fulfillment of his instruction is a stink to him. I remember one, one time uh, there was a guest speaker who came for a conference and he says, you know, sometimes you, you, you sacrifice. You sacrifice everything and you put it in the offering. Then you go home and you are hungry and you are crying before God and saying, but God, I did this. And God is like, oh, why? Who told you to do that? The, the, I didn't need you to do that. But see, sometimes we sacrifice or we want to do things. The intention is good, but we are thinking that our good intentions can untwist God. They can bribe God into doing something. No, 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 no. Good intentions are not good if they are from the wrong source of goodness. In the word of the year, this year, Pastor Tom speaks of the halak walk and how this is simply walking with God. This morning, I just want to talk and touch on two attributes. It says, the halak walk opens ears to hear the voice of God. So if you're walking in the halak walk, your ears are always open to hear the voice of God. Then the halak walk is a picture of functional obedience. One of the things that I've you know, been yearning for and saying, I, 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 I want to have an abiding presence of God in my life. Not where I have to crank it up. Not, not, not where I am with God in the closet and then when I leave, I leave him there and then go and come back and then come. But where I can have such an abiding presence that as I go through whatever, my ear is open to him such that if he says to me, stop I can stop and not be doubting to say, ah, maybe that's just my own conscience. No, but having a sure, an assurance to say God speaks to me consistently and I hear him. 
But beyond hearing, then I act on it. In speaking to different people, I've heard and seen the importance of hearing God in all things and trusting that he has our best interest at heart. I remember speaking to a brother who was saying to me, I was in an, in an airport. Then God told me to buy this speaker. Imagine, speaker, Bluetooth speaker. God told me to buy a Bluetooth speaker. And he bought the Bluetooth speaker. And he set it in his garage for months and months. Then it so happened that he was renovating the, his business, the place where they operate from. And the colors they put there, when he then opened the speaker, it was exactly the colors they had put. So God said to him, buy this speaker now. Because in months, you will need, he didn't know the full picture. But, but imagine, how many of us can hear God in an airport, in a bus station, in a bus terminus? Another one would say, I was driving in, 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 in Mavuku, and then I just, heard the, I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, park by that house. Uh. <laughs> and just knock and say, I'm here. <laughs> but she did it. And when she stopped, she met an old woman who was hungry, who was neglected, who could barely walk. And, and God instructed her, no, help her do this. Tomorrow, bring groceries. How many of us would have killed Isaac? Because when we're in the closet, God said, Abraham, take your son and, and sacrifice him. But in the moment, he then says to him, stop. But I think <laughs> I, I, I may have been... <laughs> I, I may be one of those who would just be like, no, that's what he said. But, but, but being able to listen consistently. I remember a time I was driving with my mom and my aunts to Botswana maybe 15 years ago. And what happened is I prayed and I sincerely believed. No, if I prayed, then it must have been 2009 or 2010. Because before that, full stop. <laughs> so... I prayed and I sincerely believe that God had my prayer. I prayed for safe journey, no accident and no incidences. Incidences when I pray, I'm saying, God, no incidences with the car, no issues with the car. So we're driving and then we're about to hit a curve. It's about 5 a.m. And then next thing, my tire, tire on the wheel pops. Like, but I prayed. But I know, I was just like, okay, whatever. I felt a peace. So I removed the wheel and replaced it with a spare tire. Then continued. So, remember I said before the curve, as soon as we hit the curve, there was a portal the size of a crater. So if I had driven into that at normal speed, at normal speed, uh, I don't know what would have happened. But probably because I didn't hear, God had to touch the tire. I was probably warned. But I thought, you know what? Let's go. We're trying to get to Botswana here. <laughs> How many instructions have I missed? Because God is not just interested in speaking to us about the big things. God can even guide us to say, you know what, son? For where you are going, change your route today. Because that route, there is danger on that route. God is interested in our lives like that. He says, I don't want you in danger. I don't want you getting into this. So go this way. But some of us, we, we only consult God on the big things. 
that we've already decided about. God, should I marry him? Should I marry him? Should I marry him? <laughs> and, then, and then maybe God says, no. Then you're like, ah! You know what? I, I have been having problems with, with hearing God. I don't, I, you know, it's only like we want to hear affirmative things only. Then we get married to the no. And then the no starts doing what it. Then it's like, but God, where were you? <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about marriage today. Let's. No, we're talking about purity, but we're talking about purity of the mind. <laughs> See, when we walk with God, when we are luck with God, we are so effective in meeting and fulfilling the promises of God. See, Saul thought this was a simple instruction to say, destroy everything. But God was fulfilling a promise by him. If we look at uh, even at the, the four lepers, you know the story of the four lepers and kings, where they decided to say, you know what, if we die, we die, let's go. There had been something said that they did not know of, that their simple act of going fulfilled. See, sometimes we, 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 we miss being used of God because he's asked us to do a simple thing. Like maybe that woman had been promised to say, by this time tomorrow I'm going to provide food for you. And then this woman is just told, just stop there. Being used to bring to fulfillment the promises of God. See, God, God, God will not open heaven and he will use you and I. But he will use obedient you and I's. See, the second attribute is functional obedience. I tried to, to find what functional obedience means, and I, and I found one that relates to uh, dogs and their trainers. It was an illustration. It says, functional obedience teaches behaviors needed for the dog to reliably complete all commands and expectations without being micromanaged and constantly corrected in a calm and focused manner and then being taught to be responsible for their own behavior. Functional obedience teaches and expects complete execution of commands without being micromanaged. See, if God wanted to micromanage us, I'm sure there will be something attached to us where they are pulling and, and redirecting because, because he wants to make sure. But here there is an expectation of, of obedience even when you have an option. See, it's easy to say I'm a very obedient person until you get instructions that are contrary to what you want and what you believe. Our obedience is only tested when we're given the option to be disobedient. You know what? When you've got no money, you are very obedient. Because you have got no choice. So if the staff bus is leaving at 7, you are there at 7. Because you can't buy your own car. So we can't really tell if you, are, if you are punctual. Because you have no option. The other option is you are going to walk. Because there's no, there's no, there's no paper, there's no coin. It's, but now you have a car. What time will you arrive to church now that you have a car? You used to come here, you used to have DSTV, you didn't have DSTV, now you can afford to watch DSTV. So you don't come to church because I am watching Formula One. 
And it's clashing with church. Yet you were in church all the time crying, God, I need, I need a car, I need a car. Then says, God says, I, I regret giving this guy a car. <laughs> See, I think, I think this is quite self-explanatory, but let's just, let's just look at what, what are some of the things that causes, cause us not to function in functional obedience. The first one is taking someone else's experiences. So just because someone else did it and it worked out this way, we also want to do it. Genesis 26 verse 12 says, Isaac planted, in the, planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Many years later, there's another famine now in Egypt. The Bible says for two years now there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. I'm sure there are some people who heard of the, of to say, oh, you know what, Grandfather Isaac, <laughs> he planted in famine. And he, he reaped a hundredfold. He became prosperous until he was very prosperous after planting in the land of famine. And says, me too. And planted. But there's a, there are three, okay, three important words in that scripture. Because the Lord blessed him. See, a blessing is an empowerment. Because he was empowered by God, he was able to do it. Now, it can happen that you and I can sow in a land of famine and reap a hundredfold, but it is an act of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It comes out of a response of obedience. Not because I have just seen that there is a famine, so let me just do. No, 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 no. It comes from a place of functional obedience. He says the reason he did is because the Lord blessed him. That was the differentiator. Because if the Israelites were anything like Zimbos, someone else tried. With a Zimbo, if someone starts this business, best believe in two months. So someone saw him sewing. Some laughed at him and others thought, mm, maybe he knows something. And probably they tried, but they did not have the blessing. Functional obedience comes from following instructions, not from following others' experiences. There are things that we follow. Look, I, I hope you're getting me right here. I'm saying we appropriate what we learn and begin to do it. Another thing is that we have done this before. Why should I do it like that? I've done this before. I've done it. If we're expecting a new thing from God, then we should hold loosely our previous accomplishments, as they could end up being a hindrance for the new thing that God is doing. See, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying that past victories are unimportant, but I am saying we can't hold on to them and expect, expect to kill Goliath the same way we killed the lion, with the same tools, the same manner, as we did the lion and the bear. They, they, they would be a different story, even if you look in the book of Joshua. How many battles did they fight? It wasn't every battle that they put an ambush. The other battle, they had to put the, 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 the musicians in front. But that came from functional obedience, where they knew what to listen to. Or, I mean, they knew where to go for counsel, and they knew to do what they were told, even if it did not make sense. See, Isaiah 48, 
67 says, you have all this evidence confirmed by your own eyes and ears. This is the message Bible. Shouldn't you be talking about? And that was just the beginning. This is quoted in the word of the year. I have a lot more to tell you. Things you never knew existed. This isn't a variation on the same old thing. This is new. Brand new. Something you'd never guess or dream up. When you hear this, you won't be able to say, I knew it all along. But if you hold on to your past victories like this, it's possible because it can come in a different form. Past victories are important. I, I need to emphasize this. They are very important. We need them. They are our source of strength. They are our source of encouragement. But don't let them become a hindrance of the new thing that God is doing. The other thing is a hindrance to functional obedience is to say, when we have our own uh, you know, good intentions to say, I think this will look good to do. See, Samuel, or Saul rather, did something that he thought looked good to do. It, was, it, it made sense. But it's not enough to look good to people. One of the things that I know a, a lot of people struggle with, myself included, is, is, the, is the feeling of, of what will people say? Will I not look like a fool? But one of the things I've learned is that if, if, if there are people, I say this loosely, if there are people, they don't matter. When a people has a name, then they, they matter. Their opinion and their, their, their thought matters. If I'm thinking, what will my wife think of this? There's a name there. What will my pastor think of this? Is this right to do? There is a name there. But when it's just a fear of people, people that you probably don't even know their names, and we live our lives to please people that we don't know at the expense of pleasing him, our creator, it will hinder our functional obedience to what he's telling us to do. The fourth one is, but what will it look like? It's very similar. Think about Noah. Noah in Genesis 6 is taught Build an ark, a big boat. I can just imagine when he started, people saying, Brother Noah, in your lifetime, have you ever built a canoe? <laughs> now you want to build an ark. There's no rain that justifies an ark. But he knew, he had been told, prepared. See, we're not to live our lives on consensus. Consensus will kill us because consensus, the consensus we're seeking hasn't heard from God. What we must seek is confirmation, not consensus. Because consensus will look at you in your natural state and say, ah, bless. what you are trying to do, you cannot achieve it. You do not have the resources to achieve it. But God, who is the one who gives resources, knows that you say, you know, I need to start preparing him now for this, such that time and chance can happen. But consensus will say, ah, my brother, I, I don't think you are there yet. You know, you, you just chill. See, functional obedience comes. How many of you know the statement, it's the thought that counts? <laughs> Not with God. <laughs> the, thought, the thought doesn't count. <laughs> In Matthew 21, verse 18 to 30, 28 to 31, it's the story of the father who sends a son, and the son says, I ah, know I'm not going to do it. And then another one says, I will do it, Dad, but doesn't do it. But the one who says, I will not do it, actually does it. 
You see, there, when you look at it, it seems like the first son, or the second son, rather, who says, I'm, I will go, is the one who has the father's interest at heart. But it's actually the one that actually went. See, good intentions alone are not enough. Obedience is acted out. Obedience is acted out. See, if God instructs you to do something or instructs me to do something and say, yes, I'll do it. And every day I'm confessing, I will do it. I will do it. Oh, Shabri, I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. But I don't do it. Better the person who is not confessed, who's not said anything, who actually comes and does it. The thought, it's not, the thought is not enough. It's the, it's not the thought that, it's the thought that counts. Just try it. <laughs> Try it one day when you're supposed to do something for your wife. Maybe you're supposed to bring something home from work. And then you don't bring it. And then you say, it's the thought that counts. I, I thought about it. <laughs> Another thing we say is God doesn't operate like that. God doesn't operate like that. See, yes, there are things that we know that God will not do that. He will not tear up this building to drop off a big gift right now and close the roof. We know that he's not going to do that. But remember that Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are they my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. <laughs> Listen, there are some things that we try and figure out in our own selves and cause us to be disobedient. Yet what we have to do, we have to do what we need. If he tells us to take 10 steps going that way, we shouldn't be concerned to say, and then what we do, that we take the steps, the necessary things that he tells us. The last one is getting rid of past experiences. See, when we are hurt by our past experiences, it causes us to not be obedient. Just imagine being Joseph, being sold into slavery. You go and you, 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 you pick yourself up and you say, you know what, let me just, you know, I have a hope, I have a dream. God has shown me a picture. And then you go into Potiphar's house, then you are framed. Then you are thrown in prison. It's like, ah, should I really follow this? Then you become a leader in prison. Just imagine. <laughs> being a leader, a prisoner of prisoners. I mean, a, a lead prisoner. <laughs> Maybe it's a nice title, but hey, it speaks to you being in here for the long haul because no one's going to train someone for two weeks, a two-week stay. But he, he, he keeps himself pure. He keeps himself straight, such that when these brothers appear before him, I would have been like, Eheka, look at me now. You guys sold me. I told you I was going to be a big deal. I told you. I told you. I told you. Bow. But no, he says, don't worry about it, guys. You didn't send me here. God sent me here. He sent me here. He sent me here to prepare for you, for all this. Not contaminated. I would have been like, ah, let me show them a lesson. Let me just tell them how it feels to be sold. For a day, not for a long time. Like, hey, I've got some slaves for attachment. Can you just take them for a day? <laughs> but he says, no, no. No, I will, it's, don't even feel bad. Don't even feel, he's the one who was weeping. Imagine, when he, he was weeping and would chase people out instead of gloating. Hey, that's a man of God, that. <laughs> Functional obedience. 
See, I believe that in this year, and has been said that our key is going to be walking with God and being obedient. Obedience is going to be key. Pastor Tom also declares in the word of the year that God would open doors that no man can shut. <laughs> See, it's one thing for God to open the door, but will we be obedient enough to walk through the door? Because maybe the door will come in a different form. You're expecting a double door, a, a wide door, and maybe it's a door that's opened just enough for you to fit. Or you'll be like, this is not how God operates. When God opens the door, he opens it wide so I can stretch through. Functional obedience comes from walking with God. It is as a result of having a life of devotion. As we do that, then there is purity in our motive. Purity in, 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 the, in our intentions and what we end up doing. Like I said, something can be good, but God can view it as wicked. Something could be great on the outside. We, are, we give you accolades. We clap for you. We, 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 we lay our, our Zambias and stuff for you to say walk. And amongst us, you are great. But when God looks down, he says, my oh my. That ain't it. That is a picture of regret for me. Today, I want us to make a commitment to be obedient to the leading of the Lord. To have our ears continually opened to him for a now word, for a now instruction. To know what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And be obedient even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we don't know what we are being told to do it for. If you are here today and you want to join me in making this commitment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. <clears throat> if you are watching us online and um, you are part of this service by connecting with us online, I want you to also think about this commitment. This is not a, uh, an emotional uh, commitment or just a good idea because remember, good ideas are not enough. But I want you to consider if you would take this commitment with us to consistently walk with God, to open our ears to Him and to be obedient to what He says. If you are wanting to make that commitment, I want you to call the number that is appearing on your screen right now such that you may agree with someone. Now, if you are watching as a cell, if you are connecting as a cell, I want you to already begin amongst yourselves, begin to speak one to another and make this commitment. The Bible in Malachi chapter 4, it says, Believers spoke one to another and a book of remembrance was written. I want you to begin to make commitments. Let's begin to make a commitment right now to say we will walk the Halak way and we will hear and our intentions will be framed in obedience to him. We love you so much. We ask that you uh, be with us in person next Sunday and even throughout the prayer conference. If you're out of town, we understand. But if you're in Harare, make every effort to be here. Amen and amen. May God bless you.
Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.